Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to talk about the extraction of all forms of leaven in the journey, okay? To introduce this at the top of your notes, and we're going to go quickly, so I don't want to waste time referring to scriptures. I'll just read them as they appear here. In Exodus 12 and verse 11, the instruction given to Israel was this, eat it in this manner with your loins girded, with the sandals on your feet, And with staff in your hand, and you shall eat it how? In haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Whose Passover is it? The Lord's Passover. You will see also in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 1 at the bottom of the, or the center of the page. Observe the month of Abib. That's the first month. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by by night. So there are two phrases that capture me here. In Exodus 12, 11, it says, whose Passover is it? It's the Lord's Passover. And in Deuteronomy 16, verse 1, it says, the Passover is to the Lord. It's the Lord's Passover, and the Passover is to the Lord. In other words, any Passover, now the Passover was the sprinkling of the blood on the lintels and on the doorposts. And the angel of death gave them, the literal word of Passover in the Hebrew is a pretermission, an intermission. He came and where there should have been death, he passed over. Anyone in the house with blood was protected and had immunity. So, it means literally this, watch to, to skip, I can't skip, but to, to jump over and to, in other words, judgment is happening globally, but your house is safe. I will come and indiscriminately pass judgment, but what protects you when I pass global judgment is that you're in a house celebrating the Passover lamb under the blood, as it were, under the auspices of a father, in a house. Remember last week I spoke about their safety in the house, right? In a house, within the economy of spiritual father and son, there's immunization only if you fulfill all the requirements. The requirements, just in brief, was a lamb for a house. Eat the entirety of the lamb. Eat with your loins girded. Eat only with one hand because in the other hand you would have a staff in your hand. Eat with your sandals on. Eat, not leisurely, but eat in haste. Eat the meal quickly. Quick assimilation of all that the lamb represents. Because by night, right? Remember the lamb was slain at twilight so that by the night, just past midnight, when the angel of death came, Uh, they would be protected and that would signal their exodus into a brand new phase. Okay? So we discussed all of that. 
please remember, it's a, the Lord's Passover. By that I mean, it's all about the Lord. It's not about us. It's all about the Lord and His requirements. In this season, there's no place for pride. No place for self-aggrandizement. No place for self-centeredness. We're going to lose ourselves in the Lord. I want to stress this. Everything about us must always point to Christ. Nothing must ever point to ourselves. We must die daily. It's the Lord's Passover. And Deuteronomy 16 verse 1 says, It is to the Lord. Entire focus that Israel. I want to um, basically make you aware of what kind of mindset the Jews, the Hebrews, the Israelites had to have in celebrating this meal. In their minds, they've got, to have, they've got to instill this thought. This is unto the Lord. This is about the Lord. It's about Him, His purposes in us. Okay? Any movement, listen carefully. The exodus of Israel out of Egypt is a movement. It's a migration from one location to another. Any movement must have as its motivation the Lord and not the people in the movement. The focus must always be the Lord, His requirements, His will, His purposes to be done. If the move is all about making yourself known, making yourself more visible, recruiting attention or accolades unto yourself, then it will not, the move will not have the attendant blessing of the Lord. Remember what Moses said to the Lord. If you do not go with us, we will not leave this place. Moses even realized in their journey, the Lord has always got to be the, the focus. Amen? So tell your neighbor, this is the Lord's Passover. You know, this is very important to me. Very important to me. God has been speaking to me about humility in a at a significant degree. I want to encourage you, it's not, it's not about you and I anymore. It's only about the Lord. So die to your own opinions. Die to your own thoughts. Die to your own viewpoints. Let the Lord's will predominate in the season. Because you will not have the necessary spur and motivation to maintain momentum in the migration if your motivation is not Correct, right? If the Lord is your motivation, you will receive grace. The Lord will empower the movement. Amen? So long as you want to make His name great, not your name great. Amen? We want His purposes to be done. We want His name to be known, not our name to be known. Amen? So tell your neighbor, die. Die, 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 die. Right? I want to... Extract every bit of self out of me and only let in this Passover, in this migration, let the Lord be seen. Let the Lord become visibilized more than ever before. Amen? Now let me get to the kernel of the message. A, we're going to talk now about the extraction of leaven from the camp. The instruction given in Exodus 12 and verse 8, you'll see it there. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it how? With unleavened bread. Okay? Everyone say unleavened bread. Now bread is a depiction of the God's word. Not so? Man will not live by bread alone, but by every 
word that comes out of the mouth of God. So what is leaven? Leaven, the paragraph after the verse, quoted there, I'm going to read it to you. You all have a set of notes, eh? If you don't have these spare notes here, everyone should have a set of notes so you can follow adequately. Leaven typifies false teaching. Everyone say false doctrine. Right? Leaven typifies false doctrine or false teaching that shapes a particular viewpoint or mindset which determines a specific practice. Now, just, let's just stop there. I'm saying to you, leaven is false doctrine that shapes a specific mindset or viewpoint that's going to determine a specific practice. You all know that your belief, what you, what you believe, your doctrine, your teaching, your belief informs your behavior. If you believe the false doctrine, your behavior would be inaccurate. Right? So what was God saying to Israel? When you eat the lamb, you've got to have some bread with the lamb. Now we're all lovers of bread, not so. And who loves, who loves well-risen bread? God said, no way, Israel. I want you to consume flat bread. Literal, the literal translation is, the bread must be flat. Leaven, by the way, is simply yeast. It's soured dough, a small part of it, but it's placed in the batch of dough. When baked, it has the effect of fermentation by which it works itself insidiously, gradually, almost secretly into the entirety of the dough. So what was in the leaven is in the lump. Right? So any bit of inaccuracy that you entertain, if the scripture regards it as leaven, if not checked and not extracted, what begins to happen? It works its way into the entirety of your life. And then you will have an inaccurate belief system and a flawed behavior. Right? Both what you believe and how you act will not be in alignment with God's word. So who bakes here? You all bake? All the ladies? Let me hear you say amen. Okay. So yeast in bread has the effect of what? Causing the bread to rise, not so. God said, no, Israel have flat bread, unrisen bread, bread without leaven, bread without the yeast, right? Now, let me, let me explain to you why we consider leaven as false doctrine. Look at Matthew 16, verse 11. How is it that you don't understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So this verse tells us, watch, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Then it's explained. Jesus said, Beware of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what is leaven? Everyone say teaching. In this context, it's false teaching. Beware of what they say. So we are interpreting the Passover prophetically from a New Testament perspective, not having leaven in your bread. Bread is the word. Don't have any trace of falsity or inaccuracy 
in what you believe or else it's going to inform an inaccurate behavioral pattern. Okay? On page 2. On page 2. Galatians 5.9 says this. A little leaven does what to the lump? A little leaven leavens the, the whole lump. That's why if you entertain inaccuracy, and I'll explain in a moment, if you entertain any iota, any residual, uh, any remnant of inaccuracy, unchecked, will insidiously, gradually over a period of time, affect everyone within that context and the entirety of your own lifestyle. Okay? Now, look at where we got the heading, significance of unleavened bread. The significance of unleavened bread. See how, in the scripture, how often it was used and in what context. I'm going to rush to this. Number one, it was used in the consecration of the priests to their offices and ministry. Secondly, it was used in the vow of separation of the Nazarite unto the Lord. It was used in the food of the priests, especially the meal offering and the priest offering. It was used in all the feasts except in Pentecost when leavened bread was offered. It was used when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in his call to service. And lastly, in our case, it was used in the Passover meal or the Passover, the Passover feast. Now, Exodus 12 and verse 15 says, Seven days you are to eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. Tell your neighbor, move all leaven from your house. You know, God, if you read this, the tenure or the frequency of this verse in the original Hebrew, it was very, very emphatic. God was serious about this requirement in the Passover. You see, it wasn't just about the blood. Yes, it, you must fulfill conditions outwardly and inside the house. Inside the house, God said, any family, we're ever celebrating this meal. I don't want anyone eating leavened bread, bread with yeast in. Everybody must eat unleavened bread, and there's an emphasis, make sure there is no leaven in your house. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So how serious this is? God says, you exclude yourself if you don't disobey or you don't obey this commandment. God is saying people are going to disqualify themselves by not observing this requirement. Right? In Exodus 12 verse 19, the next verse, it says, Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Serious. Whether he is an alien, a native of the land, you shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall only eat unleavened bread. Now, let me explain. In subsequent Passovers, Remember that to celebrate this feast every year, throughout all their generations. What would happen as they would enact this for years to come, the, the wife or the mother would hide pieces of leaven throughout the house, right? And she would hide it in secret places where it would not be found. 
what the father would then do, he would put the light on and he would search out for the, the pieces of leaven. He would gather them together and bind them up in a cloth. He would go outside the house and he would burn it so that there's nothing left. It was a symbolic enactment of what prophetically is happening in our day. What is the light indicative of? You should know this. Light is the word. When your father, your spiritual father in the Lord, the one who brings to you the word, brings the word to you, what is being brought to you? Light. What effect does the light have? The light has the effect of showing you areas in your life of hidden leaven. Secret leaven. You'll, 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 you'll understand in a moment. Right? I am convinced, and if ever there's a message I'm very serious about, it would be this one. Because God spoke to me very clearly. Make sure in your migration, you don't migrate with leaven. Leave the leaven behind. Right? Tell you never, no, no leaven is coming with us. I'm serious. No leaven. And I'm, I'm going to show you five indications of leaven in a moment. It's not just false doctrine. Yes, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teaching, false doctrine. It's not just about that. There are five specific expressions or symbolic understandings of leaven that must be thoroughly extracted away from the house. In fact, I like the way the New King James Version puts it. It says, put away the leaven. Right? Some things must be put away. Now, let's go on page three. There are basically five expressions of leaven in the Bible. Right? The first one, well, there's, let me just list them. There's the leaven of Herod, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven at Galatia, right? the leaven at Galatia, and the leaven at Corinth. In all of these places in the Scripture, the word leaven is used, and Paul the Apostle used it in a very specific context to the churches, to different churches, as he received revelation of this truth from the Holy Ghost. Now, the leaven of Herod. Number one, I'm not going to deal with each one thoroughly. That's why we're going to discuss this at house church in the week. You have the notes, so I want you to thoroughly prosecute the matter. <laughs> I want you to ruminate, meditate on what, and I want everyone in this week to be thoroughly introspective. Bring yourself, bring your marriage, bring your home. Talk to your husband or your wife, say, honey, bunny, is there leaven in our house? Is there leaven in our lives? What must we put away so that we can migrate and receive this immunity that God is talking about? Firstly, the leaven of Herod, quickly. Mark 8 verse 14. And they had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out! Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of who? The leaven of Herod, okay? Everyone say the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod, okay? Now before we carry on reading, just pay attention. You'll have plenty of time to read your notes at home. There are four Herods in the New Testament, four of them. Right? There was Herod the Great. There was Herod Antipas. Um, there was Herod... The Agrippa, 
the father that we call him Herod Agrippa the elder, and there was Herod Agrippa, his, I think his grandson, the younger. What, to, to understand fully the leaven of Herod, that phrase in the Bible, you would obviously have to do a case study of all the Herods in the Bible. Because of time and for our purposes, I'm only going to focus on the, the first two. Herod, Herod the Great, who was living at the time when Jesus was born, remember? Right? Herod that king. And Herod Antipas, who was living at the time of the ministry of John the Baptist that ordered his execution. Right? The two other Herods, Herod Agrippa the Elder and Herod Agrippa the Younger, you will find references to them in Paul's dealings with them in the book of Acts. But please, I'm telling that to you because we are, we are good Bible students. So whenever you read the word Herod in the New Testament, know in your mind there are four distinct persons, so you must know which ones you are referencing. For our purposes, let's just focus on the first two. Herod the Great ruled at the time when Jesus was, was, was born, not so, right? Do you remember, the Bible says, when the wise men came from the east to Bethlehem and inquired, where is he who is born? King of the Jews. We've seen his star in the east, but we have come to, to worship him. The Bible says, and Herod was troubled. So what the first issue, you'll see a heading there, principles, characteristic of the leaven of Herod. The first issue that must be thoroughly extracted from our systems is what? Insecurity. He was a king and he hears news that other kings are looking for a child that is going to be born a king. And the Bible says, and Herod became troubled. I want to encourage you to extract all forms of insecurity out of your system. Be confident. Be intentional. Function with assurance. Don't function in doubt and in unbelief. In the season, it's not a time to be insecure. Your future is vested in God. And your future in God is certain. So extract all forms of insecurity out of your thinking, out of your emotions, out of your mindset. God has got a plan and a certain future for you. There's a lot of insecurity I'm picking up in people these days. And I want to encourage you, do not have that sense that all will not go well with me. All will go well with you. Amen? All will go well with you. Tell your neighbor, be secure. Be secure. Right? Be secure. Then the Bible says, not only he was troubled, it says, and all Israel with him. So the trouble of the leader became the trouble of the whole nation. It tells me the effect and the impact that this man had on a multitude of, of people. Obviously, he was their leader. So when he's troubled, Israel is troubled. But a lot of theologians say Herod had the sense of uncanny control and manipulation over vast numbers of people. Okay? What must be extracted from our camp? Control and manipulation must be extracted. If you are a controlling person or manipulative in your tendencies over others, I want to encourage you by the Holy Spirit, stop that. Right? 
when you control and manipulate to the point where people cannot express their own volition and will in the exercise of a decision, where you literally impose, and it's strongly imposed upon them to the place where they've lost their decision-making capacity on their own. Okay? That is demonic, it's devilish. Don't lose your influence. Listen carefully. I'm not saying don't lose your influence. Don't lose your influence, but don't force people. Right? Don't be controlling, don't be conniving, don't be manipulative. Okay? I'm, I know I'm rushing through this, but I have to. I need you to respond quickly. Register that thought in your spirit. Say, all right, control out, manipulation out. No leaven here. All right? No leaven. No insecurity here. Amen? Come on, tell somebody next to you, no insecurity here. No insecurity. We are sure we're secure in God. We know our destiny. We know our future. We will, all will be well with us. I declare that over you. All will be well with you and your family. All will be well with you and your family. No insecurity. That aspect about leaven's headed must be thoroughly exterminated and expunged from the camp. Amen? All will go well. Do you know what he said to the wise men that came to inquire of the Christ child? Where is he who is born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east. We have come to worship him. You know what Herod said to them? Don't worry. I also want to worship him. Remember? Matthew 2, read it. He said, I also want to, when you have made diligent search, call for me and show me where the Christ child is. And he makes this statement that I too may come and worship him. Right? So what is a facet about the leaven of Herod? He wants the result without the cost. He wants the product or the result without any attempt to make the search. He doesn't want to search. He says, you do the search. When you find him, come call me. I just come and worship. So yeah, the, 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 the leaven of Herod is a person that is not willing to make the sacrifice to get the result, but you want to be present when the result is found. Now, listen carefully. Everyone, I want everyone to start to position yourself to start to make a commitment to a greater cost. Amen? What joy is there in attaining the outcome when you were not part of the process? Okay? So I want to implore the church today, brethren. I want, to, I want to sort of cajole you by the Holy Spirit. Enlist and say, yes, Randolph, I'm up for the search. Okay? Who wants to search with me? Come on. Are you going to search with me? You say, that headed spirit that's lazy sitting on his throne just wants the result. Let others do the work and call for me when the result is found. I'll simply come up. And do you know, by the way, his intention was not to worship, but to kill the thing they find. Be careful of Herods in your life. Here's a prophetic word for some of you. Be careful of, because some of you have Herodian friends. <laughs> they let you do the search. They come for the result and they kill all of your efforts in, 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 in attaining what you, what you have. Amen? There are some people in your world that only want to snuff out, like he did, want to kill the Christ child. Right? Never ever wants to pay the price to attain that outcome. So it's hypocritical, the next bullet point. He expresses a desire to worship, but it was really to kill Jesus. 
And there's lies and craftiness. Hey? Hope nobody here tells lies. <laughs> you know what Jesus called Herod? He said to the disciple or to the, the people, go tell that fox. <laughs> Jesus called Herod a fox. And fox, you get this, what do foxes typify? Craftiness, conniving. It's the Jacob element that must be emptied in the Jabbok. I want to encourage you, brethren. Don't try and manipulate or connive anything. Rest in God's destiny for your life. It will come to pass. Without your having to craftily, like a fox, try and get the outcome. Amen? Foxes are not allowed to migrate with us. Amen? And then it cuts off the spirit of witness and the prophetic voice. He imprisoned and ultimately beheaded John the Baptist. Not so? Let's read Luke 3 at the top. It says this. Luke 3 verse 16. John said, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me, who is mightier than I. I am not fit to untie the thong on his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Who is John talking about? Jesus. So with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. Now here's it. But when Herod the Tetrarch, right? Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother, his brother's Philip, his brother's wife, because of the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them, and he locked John up in prison. Right? The, the issue here was this. Herod used his power to take his brother's wife, Philip was his brother, to take his brother Herodias as his own. Right? John, it's testified, spoke out against him. For having done this. So he's inaccurate. And John is speaking the word of the Lord. To an inaccurate practice. It makes Herod. The more angry. Not just John's message of the gospel. The fact that John is speaking prophetically. Into his life and saying. Herod you are wrong. What you're doing is wrong. It displeases God. And what does Herod do? Imprisons the voice that speaks to him. What must be extracted? What leaven of Herod must be taken out? Brethren, listen to me very carefully. I am, in this context, the voice that speaks to you. Don't imprison this voice when this voice shows up in accuracies in your life. That dynamic, you must take that leaven and don't take it in our foregoing journey. Amen? So, the leaven of Herod. Herod is angry at a voice that, that exposes his inaccuracy uses his ability to imprison that so that in ultimately, you know, his daughter, um, Herodias' daughter, asked for the head of John the Baptist. Ultimately, Herod is responsible, long and short of it, for decapitating the prophetic witness in Israel. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Tell your neighbor, release the voice, don't imprison the voice. Who's glad you have a voice that speaks? I'm so glad in my life 
We're exposed to the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord that comes to check us, to guide us. Thank God for that. Right? So when Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod, what was the ultimate, most detestable thing that Herod the, 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 the Great did? He killed the babies, two years old and under. What does he do? He kills the next generation. He kills sonship, right? But we are not wanting to put a stifle on the next generation. It's our clear intent to raise up our sons and daughters into the image of God so that they can be significant role players in the kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. Our children are kingdom citizens. Amen? And I know that all of our kids will be tremendously used by the Lord. Amen? Now, secondly, the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is simple to explain. It's basically hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy. Jesus said it very clearly. Luke 12 and verse 1 to 3 says the following. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what? So are we in any doubt as to what the leaven of the Pharisees represents? The Bible tells us clearly the leaven of the Pharisees is what? Is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nothing hid that will not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness will be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in the closets shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Right? Hupokrisis is the Greek word for hypocrisy. It's hupokrisis. The Greek term was a term that is applied to actors who acted on a stage in a kind of an amphitheater. The person acted a part they did not really live in real life. So it was pretension. Everyone say pretension. So hypocrisy is when you pretend to be something that you are not really. Right? So hypocrisy must be thoroughly expunged from our, from our camp, from our house. No leaven of hypocrisy, of, 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 no leaven of the Pharisee, which is hypocrisy, in our houses. I want everyone to be true. Tell your neighbor, be true. What you see is what you get. Don't have one face here in church. And at home, you've got another face. Don't say, Randolph, I honor you to my face. But in the private closet of your bedroom, you speak disparagingly. That is hypocrisy of the highest order. And what does the Bible say? Whatever is done in the dark will be brought to the light. And whatever you whisper in your closet will be shouted on the... This is a day of transparency. I can't, I can't impress this strongly. Just be true. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Don't say one thing publicly, but another thing privately. Amen? Everyone say no hypocrisy. This is a word even to my own life. You know, I said this to you last week. God is not judging us on externalities. God is not going to judge us on the very intents and the thoughts of our hearts. Be a true man. Be a true woman. God at least will respect you. Or you do things, listen carefully, to, to, to make people have a specific impression about your spirituality. 
So you play the part publicly because you're wanting a good estimation in the minds of men of what you represent. But privately, I don't know if you know the story about the, the lady. It's an illustration. She packed up her bags, took her two kids, and the, the wife, the husband got home. The, wife, the husband's a pastor. He says, what's happening? All the bags are packed. Where are we going? He, and she says, I'm going to the church. He says, going to the church? I'm going to live there. Because the man I see there is the better person than the one I have at home. So I'd rather stay in that environment where at least I can be treated well. Right? I mean, that was a real shock. <laughs> Hectic illustration. I hope that's not true here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amen? I want to encourage you, be the same everywhere. No double standards. Amen? No double standards. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. Quickly, the leaven of the Sadducees. The leaven of the Sadducees is modernism. Modernism. Now, I won't have time to, to explain this um, fully, but listen carefully. Let me give you an overview of what the Sadducees represent. The leaven of the Sadducees was their teaching. They were a different sect to the Pharisees. You had the Pharisees and you had the, the Sadducees. Jesus said the leaven of the Pharisees is there. He the hypocrisy. The Sadducees were very wealthy men in biblical times. They were materially well off. Right? They did not believe, third bullet point, they did not believe in the supernatural, in the spirit, or in angels. In fact, Paul had encounters with them in the book of Acts. This mentality cut off the reality of spirit life and the unseen realm. Now let me ask you this, brethren. Do we believe in angels? Do you believe, Hebrews, that, that angels are ministering spirits sent to aid you? Yes or no? We, do we believe in spirit life? Yes. The Sadducees cut that entire realm off. They were very materialistic. They were very worldly-minded and rationalistic thinkers. They cut off any idea that one's mind could be informed by revelation from the Spirit of God. In fact, I'll just quickly do a, a, a quick summation of this. They only believed in the book of Moses and no other scripture. So they were partial and they were selective in what they held dear. They did not eat the whole lamb. Right? Now in this season, I want to encourage you to embrace all scripture. What does 2 Timothy 16 says? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, etc., for teaching, for training in righteousness that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished and perfected, right? We embrace the entirety of Scripture. We are not selective. So extracting the leaven of the Sadducees from our midst is to extract selectivity, right? So many people have their, faith, their pet or favorite doctrines. You've got to even eat the doctrines you don't like because they challenge certain positions in your, in your life. Amen? The Sadducees did not believe in a bodily resurrection. They believe the resurrection is already past. Paul confronted them over this issue. So they are doctrinally inaccurate. Do you know the resurrection of the body is of elementary foundational doctrine according to Hebrews chapter 6? So for me, the Sadducee challenges the foundations of one's faith. Right? Challenges the bedrock of doctrine in terms of what you believe that give you a firm foothold of how to base your, of how to base your life. Right? 
They embraced, uh, they attempted to discredit Jesus by always posting difficult questions. It was very most often Sadducees that would pose difficult questions at Jesus. What is their intention? They did not ask questions for knowledge and for revelation. Scripture says clearly they wanted to undermine him, wanted to show him up. So what is a Sadducee spirit? That's the leaven of the Sadducee is a spirit that always seeks to undermine credible servants of God. Right? And how do you do it? By posing questions. You question this, you question that, you question everything. And your questioning is not an attempt for clarification. Your questioning is actually motivated by an attempt to show the person up. Right? That element, I don't believe it's here in a very strong way, but it must, we must make certain it doesn't reside here. The second to last bullet point, they taught that man had absolute moral freedom. For, on this, for upon this freedom depended the moral quality of his actions. This view was so excessive as to almost entirely exclude the divine government of the world. They taught man was his own moral conscience to the exclusion of being regulated by God's law, and they could live independently of God. Now, that's very, very dangerous. Not so? Very, very dangerous. So I want to encourage you. We need God's code. Can we live without the Bible? Can we live without God's law? Right? We're not free moral agents. Yes, we are. We have freedom of choice. But our morality is informed by the standard of God's, of God's word. Shouldn't excuse the sakers they have a, a function to attend. Okay? In the heat. Bless you. Right? So listen carefully, brethren. We have... We have we don't decide our own morality. Our morality is regulated for us. We inform by it from where? From the, from the Bible, from the, the word of the, the, the Lord. Amen? So um, never leave that standard. Now, okay, so that's in a nutshell what the leaven of the Sadducees represent. Let's go to the leaven of Galatia. In the book of Galatians, the leaven of, of Galatia was legalism. Everyone say legalism. Right? You'll find the word mentioned in Galatians 5, and I want to read it. Watch. Galatians 5, from verse 1 to 9. So then, brethren, uh, before we read this, let me explain to you the context. The context is this. The brothers at Galatia believed in Jesus. That salvation is by faith in, in Jesus. Not so? They were saved. But what happened... Certain false apostles that were loyal to the Old Testament law of Moses came into the whole province of Galatia and they taught that apart from expressing faith in Jesus, you must also be circumcised to be saved. Circumcision was a requirement of the Old Testament law of Moses. So what were they doing? Be, believe by faith in Jesus plus, we call it, I call it the add-on. Everyone say plus. In other words, you do this plus that. You do this plus that. What's that? Legalism. You are imposing an add-on requirement to the behavior of people that is not absolutely essential and necessary in terms of their standing before God. Right? Everyone say legalism. Now, you might not uh, regard yourself as a legalist. Ask your neighbor, are you a legalist? Right? Now, let me give you the context. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the 
free women. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again, every man who receives circumcision, he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So Paul is saying, if you, if you bow to these guys, guys of Galatia, if you want to keep the circumcision right, you must then start to keep the, the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are speaking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, watch, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. Then he makes a statement. A little leaven leavens the... Paul is saying, hey guys at Galatia, if you entertain that you must accept circumcision as a requirement to be saved, this circumcision issue will be the yeast in your dough. A little leaven, you entertain this legalistic position, it's actually going to start to ferment to the whole, your whole, the entirety of all your doctrine, and it's going to leaven the whole lump. Right? Now, everyone say ducks in a row. You heard that statement? There are, there are many people that always want their ducks in a row, and they tend to be legalists. You do it that way or no way at all. Right? Now, I'm going to quickly run through, not all of them, I'll leave some of them for you to prosecute in your house churches. Dr. Segi actually mentioned this at the last school. He mentioned the leaven at Galatia. And he said, in Galatia, their problem was legalism. Just watch. The first bullet point at the bottom. He has legal criteria for salvation. He believes but also keeps the law. He has faith plus. For example, praying to earn grace. And he criticizes others who do not pray. Now let me just say this clearly. Watch. Are you saved? Yes or no? Come on. Are you saved? Yes. If you are saved and you have this relationship with God, and even in your quest to grow in God, you do certain things. We don't do things to earn points with God or favor with Him. We do things not to earn salvation. We do things as a result of our salvation. Good works are not done to earn salvation. Good works are performed as a result of salvation. And they're not performed with the idea of, I need to work to earn points. I need to fast so I can please God. We do fast, but we do fast with correct motivation. But the person who is legalistically minded thinks like that. And not only that, they think like that for their own self. If I do this, I'll be better in better standing with God. So what is a legalist do? The legalist is works-oriented. Do, 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 do. And the one that's not doing, the legalist points the finger and says, I'm doing, you're not doing, I'm better off than you, I'm more spiritual than you. That's a legalistic mindset. That's the leaven of Galatia. They started to become legalists, right? Lives on the principle of this for that. Focuses on rewards. Turn over the page. There's a whole lot that I want to go through. I'll leave you to ruminate over over that, right? 
Just one thing, inflexible. Everyone say inflexible. Inflexible people are legalists. It's that they want it their way or no way. I want to encourage you, be open to change. Right? Probably in two weeks' time, uh, before our last meeting here, I want to talk to you about the Passover that Hezekiah celebrated. Do you know Hezekiah in the Old Testament? He had a reformation. And he discovered the Passover wasn't celebrated for generations before. And he instituted it. But there were so many people and so many priests and so many lambs to be offered. The Bible says there were insufficient priests and the people did not fulfill the purification ceremony necessary for the Passover. You know what Hezekiah did? That's law. The law said they must be purified before they celebrate the... What he did, the Bible says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. said, Lord, please excuse these. Let them celebrate the Passover without the necessary preparations. Right? And the Bible says, and he said, Lord, yeah, they see their hearts. Their hearts were right. It was a matter of timing and circumstance. Right? Dr. Siggy gave a wonderful example. He said, if you're speeding on the road, let's say 120 in a 60 zone, and the police stops you. So the law says you must be fined. But if you explain to the police, I've got a pregnant wife here, bursting about to give birth. When the policeman says, in that case, no problem, carry on. What did the policeman do? The policeman was not a legalist. He did not insist upon the law, given the circumstance. He operated in the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. Hmm? So I want to encourage you, don't be so hard and harsh upon applying strict requirements to every situation blanket, in a blanket fashion. Right? I'm not saying compromise. Hezekiah wasn't compromising on, on the Mosaic law when he prayed to God. He said to God, see their hearts. Their hearts are so ready to celebrate the Passover, but there's just no time to fulfill all the ceremonial requirements. And the Bible says, and the Lord heard him, and the Lord said to him, carry on. Amen? Don't relax standards, but don't be so hard and fast that you don't know how to be nimble-minded. Amen? Lastly, in five minutes, the leaven at Corinth. This for me is very serious. The leaven at Corinth was sexual immorality and sensuality. Right? Sexual immorality. I'm going to read this. Just say one or two things and then pray. Watch. I must read this chapter. Just 13 verses. Watch. Follow with me in your notes. It is actually reported that there's immorality amongst you, Paul says. And immorality of such a kind as does not even exist amongst the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. Having a sexual relationship with his father's wife. Paul highlights this. You have become arrogant. You have not mourned instead, so that the one who has done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I on my part, although absent in my body, but I am present wherein? Spirit, I have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the? Whole lump. You see, he uses the word leaven here. 
You see, Paul's almost literal anger at Corinth is there's a permittance and there's the accommodation of this thing in your midst without addressing it with apostolic authority. You allow sexual immorality to run rampant. And he even says a man has his father's wife. He says this thing is not even named amongst the Gentiles. You won't hear of this in the world, but you're hearing of it in the, in the church. Right? So he says, hand him over to Satan so that his flesh will be destroyed, but his soul be, be saved. There's a disciplined process that Paul was insisting upon for, for this gentleman. Oh, by the way, when you read 2 Corinthians, Paul references the same incident again. And says, that man that you disciplined, relax a bit now. Give him some reprieve and welcome him. If he's repented, draw him back into the community. Right? So there was, there was much grace that Paul, much wisdom. But you see, Paul was so strong here. You know why? And he uses the phrase, he says, hey guys, don't you know the principle, a little leaven? If not checked, if not entertained, is going to find its way into the whole community. Right? So he says, sort this matter out, guys. Right? Then he says, watch. Verse 6, verse 7. I like from verse 7 onwards. Watch. Clean out the old leaven so that you might be a new lump. I like this. Take any leaven out of your lump so that you can be a new lump. Tell your neighbor, you are a lump and you are a new one. (laughs) You see, you're going to take the old leaven out so you can be a new lump. Just as you were in fact unleavened. And I like this, for Christ, our Passover has been crucified or sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of what? Malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of what? Sincerity and truth. Unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers, nor with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reveler, etc. Drunkard, swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. uh, Paul is saying, remove that element of sexual promiscuity. He's saying, remove that element of sensuality. He's saying, remove that element of unbridled lust. He's saying, Bring holiness back to the sexuality of your life. He's saying in, at all points, the leaven of Corinth, the error of the Corinthians, was they accommodated this grave sin in their midst. And Paul says it must be extracted. And you know what he says also? Let's celebrate the feast because who is our Passover? Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed as the Lamb of God. So let's celebrate it like what he says not with the leaven of malice 
and wickedness. But he says, with the unleavened bread of truth and the unleavened bread of sincerity. Two buzzwords I want you to remember. Everyone say sincerity. Say truth. Paul says, in this context, celebrate the feast of the Passover. Christ our Lamb has been slain. But do so in truth and do so with sincerity. The word sincerity at the top of the last page is purity and clearness. Purity and clearness. Everyone say transparency. I want to encourage you, be transparent. Don't do nothing of the evil deeds of darkness that bring you shame in the quietness of your room where no one's looking or the, the deep uh, corridors of your mind where nobody can see. Because Jesus said, the Pharisees say, if you commit adultery with a woman, you must suffer the consequences. Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman and lusts after in his heart, he's already committed adultery where? In his heart. So it's those unseen areas that God wants transparency, purity, and transparency. Okay? Now, I will not have time because the time is gone. Uh, truth basically means, aletheia means the basis that underlies an appearance. So the basis must agree with appearance. Watch, aletheia, truth, the word, Greek word aletheia, truth means the, there's a foundation and there's something that appears on the foundation. Many people have an appearance of something but no reality. Aletheia means the basis agrees with the appearance. So there's substance in the appearance based on, on truth. Right? It's a commitment to, to truth in all forms. What you see is what you get. Nothing is a parade. No appearance is vacuous and empty, insubstantial. It's a substantial reality based upon, upon truth. We all must be people of, of truth. Okay? Now, Joshua 3.5. Remember before the conquest at Jericho, what did Joshua say to the people? Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Right? And remember, um, Achan hid the accursed thing in his tent and they suffered the consequences. Now, as we close, everyone pay attention. I have the distinct impression the Lord's going to do wonders among us. God's going to perform mighty wonders in terms of His will. And the way in which the apostolic message is going to grow public, visible, and viral, particularly here in Durban. Listen to me carefully. Our positioning and our movement, there's a transition. Everyone say there's a transition. I'm saying to you as, as the mouthpiece of the Lord in this environment, up, like Joshua, sanctify yourself. Because tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among us. But God needs an un leavened people. God needs no, head, no leaven of, of, of Herod, no leaven of the Pharisee, no leaven of the, of the sad you see, no leaven of Galatia, no leaven of the Corinthian context within our midst. Anything, if you want to remember this in short form, leaven is inaccurate doctrine 
that supports inaccurate lifestyle. It's a man thing, so he is. You believe the wrong thing, your behavior will be inaccurate. Specifically, those expressions of leaven, as we have discussed, will always lead to a lifestyle that displeases God. Long and short of it, leaven for me then is any expression of sin or error or inaccuracy that, 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 that flows forth from a wrong belief system. So if you, for example, the leaven of the Corinthians, if you continue in sin, thinking nothing's going to happen to you, you have a belief system that is wrong. Right? No leaven. We're going to go out a pure people. By the way, do you know how long uh, for subsequent Passovers, you know how many days they had to eat unleavened bread? We read it now. Seven days, not so. Who'd like seven days of flat bread? No yeast, nothing to make the thing rise. And you know what Dr. Segi said? I remember years ago, he said, leaven, he said this, is decadent influence. Things that cause you to puff up. And you, you function like a proud person thinking nothing is wrong. All of that must be expunged from us. Are you ready for this? By the way, do you know, I've got this at the back of your notes, but don't turn to it. Progressively in the scripture, you will read a lamb for a house, the first Passover. Later on, when they established the Levitical system, it was a lamb for the nation. Lamb was killed to atone for the whole nation. Started off as a lamb for a house, then a lamb for a whole nation. But what did John say of Jesus when he saw him? Behold the lamb who does what? Takes away what? The sin of the... It went from a house to a nation to taking care of the sins of the whole world. And you know when I thought about that, the Lord said to me, are you ready? If you embody the lamb qualities and all the principles, are you ready for a greater sphere of impact? To bring an atoning work of grace to many, not just your house. Please, brethren, hear me. What we're going to be busy with will impact not just this house, not just Durban, not just this nation. It's, going to, it's, it's impact is going to be felt far and wide. Again, I want to bring us to a place of soberness. We don't do this to heap accolades upon ourselves. Tell your neighbor, this is the Lord's Passover. Come on, say again, this is the Lord's Passover. Right? It's His requirement. It's His purpose. It's His name. But I want to implore you, make sure there's no leaven in the house. Amen? Let's pray. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, everybody, lift your hands. Father, we just thank you. We lift our hands to you, Father. And we want to repent if at any level we've entertained level of, a leaven of any kind. If there's any expression of inaccuracy, turn on the light of your word and search out the entirety of our own lives. Extract any residual or remnant leaven within us. Clean the house. Clean our lives. We want to sanctify ourselves, like you said to Joshua, for tomorrow you will do mighty works among us. So we want to eat the feast, celebrate the feast with the leaven, with the unleavened bread of truth and of sincerity. Purity and clearness. We ask you to thoroughly purge our lives even now. Cleanse us. Forgive us where we have failed you. Today, God, we, we lift our hands to say, yes, we want to ascribe to your demands. Yes, this is your Passover. 
Yes, this is your requirement. This Passover is to the Lord. And so God, we say yes. We say yes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.